0: Shalom, the peace of the Lord be with you, a blessed uh, Christmas to you. We are still in the midst of the Christmas season. I'm glad to be with you this Sunday, especially this is the last Sunday of the year of 2021, and also the first Sunday of Advent, to, to share the message from the Word of God. Uh, since there is no Sunday school or church school today, I will start with a short sermon for the children. So I will ask the children to be with the parents at this moment as you wait upon the Lord and ask the Lord to speak to you, each one of you. You can also stay behind and join your parents during the main message uh, of today's uh, service. The title of today's message for the for the children and also for the adults will be "Stand Firm." But before uh, sharing with the children the message for this morning, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we exalt Thee and we praise Your name forever. We acknowledge Your power and Your glory. We come here today in Your presence in humility and with our own weakness. God, give us open hearts and minds to understand about spiritual warfare and the means to our defense. We pray for strength and protection against the spiritual forces of evil. Speak to us, Lord, this morning. Sanctify our time together and let us be open to receive your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and Redeemer. Amen. Children, let me show you a, a picture of a Roman soldier. During the time of Paul, there were many Roman soldiers around him. Because why? Paul was in chains. He was a prisoner. And so, he knows what the Roman soldiers were. In a, in a battle, a Roman soldier must be protected from being killed by the enemy by wearing the armor. And so the Apostle Paul described the pieces of armor worn by a Roman soldier. We have the helmet, the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the sword, and the shield. Hopefully children By the end of today's service, you will be able to tell the parents the different parts of the armor of God. So, children, God provides us with His spiritual armor so that we are able to stand firm when we are attacked by Satan, the evil one who is our enemy, and one of the pieces of of the armor that we are going to look at is the belt now I have a picture of the belt worn by a Roman soldier what is the purpose of wearing a belt the belt holds the parts of the armor together as you can see the sword the small dagger and it holds the tunic that the Roman soldier wears so that he will not fall down when he moves so when you wear your trousers or pants your belt holds them up so that you will not fall down you will then be able to stand firm so what may happen if you do not wear a belt around your waist as you run around children this is going to happen, your trousers will start falling down if you do not wear the belt Today, each one of you, you are exposed to the technology and social media of today. And sometimes, when you are exposed to so many things in the internet, the TV, the smartphones, the information you received may not be true. You may be exposed to lies. You may not know what is right or wrong. Now Knowing the truth of God comes from reading the Bible. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so in Ephesians 6, 14a, the Bible tells us, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So children, develop the truth of God so that you may defeat the devil who is the father of lies and stand firm in Jesus Christ. And there are three things I would like you to take away this morning. One, seek the truth. That means you learn from Jesus who said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Secondly, speak the truth. Do not hide the truth. Sometimes we have heard of, you know, a child says to the mother, and complete the mother, "Mom, the boy hits me." Now this may not be the whole truth, because you may hit the boy first. That's why the boy hits you. So you may not be telling the truth to your mom. Thirdly, living the truth, live for Jesus in all that you do. In other words, be example in your home, be example in your school. Be example when in your you are in a company of your friends, your cousins, and so on. So, I would like you to remember these three things. And in order to help you to remember these things next time, when you sit in a car, you remember you gotta wear a seatbelt. So buckle up the seatbelt around your waist. Each time you buckle up, remember the belt of truth. So let us Now pray for the children before they leave uh, to join their parents. Father, we pray for the children who are still young and easily believe the lies from the world. As they put on the belt of truth, may they hold the truth that Jesus loved them and died for their sins. Please help them to know that they are loved and forgiven. And as parents and adults, may we teach the children to seek the truth, speak the truth, and live the truth each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So children, you are encouraged to stay back with your parents as we continue with our service. Today's message concludes the last chapter of the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, as I've been told to you, is one of the four prison epistles because it was written by Paul while he was in prison. The word epistle is derived from the Greek word epistole, which translates to letter or message, and the apostles wrote the letter while he was in prison in Rome around AD 62. In summary, the letter of Ephesians consists of two parts, chapters 1 to 3, which is basically doctrinal. It reinforces the believer's position and role as a Christian. Chapter 4 to 6 is more practical. discusses the specific practices and the way Christians should behave. And the scripture was read to you from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18 just now. Today's message consists of three parts. Number one, spiritual warfare. Two, the armor of God. And... The belt of truth. Let us look at spiritual warfare. If a person is far away from God, or you are lost in the world of sin, Satan does not bother about you at all, Satan leaves you to what you are doing. But the moment you become a Christian, the moment you come closer and draw closer to God, then what is going to happen is that you will be in the crosshair of Satan. Satan will attack you. So spiritual warfare is the, art, is the act of fighting against Satan when he tries to keep us from God's calling. And so Christians, you and I, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare with Satan for one time or another. Ephesians 6.14 tells us this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms friends, Satan is the unseen enemy now in a book by Sun Tzu in the book Art of War Sun Tzu says one first principle is what? know your enemy and know yourself so likewise we got to know our enemy and that is Satan and Satan is an unseen enemy who cannot be seen at all Now, in a physical war, we can see the enemy, but not in a spiritual war. And so, Satan is our unseen and ever-present enemy. Now, the enemy here that we are facing does not have flesh and blood. Your enemy in the world is not the one who is in front of you. The person who irks you, who angers you, who gives you a lot of headaches and stress, your boss or even a disliked politician is not your problem. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is the bigger enemy. The real enemy cannot be seen, or perhaps you do not think of him at all. But this enemy will attack you, and he will customize his attack on us based on our fears and our weaknesses. For example, if we are very fearful, Satan will use this to cast doubts on us, to disbelieve, to, to disbelieve what God has promised to, to, to us. He will also customise his attack on us based what, on our vulnerabilities and circumstances. For example, now if Satan knows that you know, we, are, we are very impatient, uh, Satan will create a situation uh, where we become very impatient and we, and we blast, blast at people because of our impatience. So Satan is very crafty, and he will use all these attacks on us. Satan even used people to cause us to worry, to be angry, and to be gloomy. Now what else does the Bible say about Satan? The Bible tells us that Satan is a master of disguise. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, It says, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Would you be able to recognize the devil if you meet him on the street? Satan is a master of disguise and uses deceit to lead us astray. He attacks us under the guise of what is apparently good, like what he did to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Satan is very skilled in this secondly the Bible tells us that Satan is a roaring lion in 1 Peter 5.8 stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour Christ is symbolized as a lion, just like in Aslan, in the character of Aslan, in the book Chronicles of Narnia, by C.S. Lewis. But not as a lion, like Satan, to devour you. Satan is a lion, roaring, looking for, and stalking another animal whom he may devour. And you can imagine in the African safari how the lion attacks, for example, a wild animal like a zebra or a water buffalo. So, friends, how often do you think about the devil? Or do you think about him at all? And sometimes, actually, in our daily life, we forget that that is, a, that is Satan. How Lindsay in his book, Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Explain this. He says this, No one thinks about the devil anymore. In Ephesians 6.10, how do we fight Satan? In a spiritual battle, we must must fight Satan with the armor of God, which God has given us. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. See, Paul, after he has written the book of Ephesians from chapter 1 to chapter 6, and towards the end of chapter, towards the, uh, chapter 6, verse 10 onwards, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Friends, In order to fight Satan, we must be strong in the Lord, as Paul has shared with us. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. That means we cannot fight Satan in our own strength and our ability. God told Joshua in Joshua 1, verse 3, to be strong in the Lord. So therefore, God's strength and power are available to us to fight Satan. Let us now have a time of reflection for two minutes. Thank you. Let us now look at the second part of today's message, the armor of God. As the scripture tells us, we need the armor of God to, for protection in the spiritual warfare. Paul used the metaphor of the armor of God in a spiritual warfare. Now I can remember clearly giving this message on the armor of God at the Penang jail in the 1970s in the prison ministry with Reverend Goh Kim Chuan of the Penang Presbyterian Church. That's where I learned how the prisoners spent their time. I saw them marching in, into the hall. And I also saw them who were on the way for a bath in the Penang prison. Ephesians 6 verse 11 tells us, Put on the full armor. Take note, full, not half armor. It's full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So, just as the Roman soldiers require physical armor to protect themselves in battles, we Christians require spiritual armor to protect ourselves. In a spiritual warfare, Paul sets the scene for us. We are fighting a war against an enemy who is not flesh and blood, not a human foe. We fight against a much more fearsome opponent whose forces are described in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. But thanks be to God. He has the armor and protection for us. If we read from, if we forward onwards from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 17, it describes the parts of the armor of God, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the word of God, the sandals of the gospel of peace. Hopefully by the end of today's service, you will be able to memorize all these six parts of the armor of God. Each piece of the spiritual armor God tells you to put on, each piece has a role which you can go back and read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 17. Let us look at what are the schemes of Satan. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 tells us to stand up against the devil's schemes. We are to stand up against the devil's schemes. And what are the schemes of the devil? One. So that we forget his existence. That means we don't know we forget that He's around even. He's he's alive. Two, when we are immersed in worldliness, we are caught up in worldliness and we have no time for the Lord. And thirdly, when we are so busy with our work in business and other activities that we can even forget about what what are the schemes that the devil has for us. The question is, Are you aware that God wears the same armor He gives you? The book of Isaiah 59, verse 17 says, He puts on righteousness as His breastplate and the helmet of salvation on His head. The armor of God isn't the armor He gives. It's the armor He wears. In a spiritual warfare, let us not rely on our own self-righteousness Remember put on God's righteousness. Instead let us put on the armor of God, his righteousness and salvation. And there's something interesting regarding the armor of God. There is no armor in the back. In the list of armor there is no back plate. There is nothing to cover the back half of the Christian. Because God has our backs. There is no armor in the back because we are not to retreat. Can you imagine? uh, The Roman soldiers uh, were to retreat and run and run back. Then the enemies will attack their back. We cannot flee from the devil. Instead, the Bible tells us the devil must flee from us. James 4 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, in our spiritual warfare, we must be marching forward. We should not be retreating. And so, you see, I can remember this hymn by Sabine Baring God. And he wrote the hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. And the stanza says this, Or if I can sing just very briefly. (laughs) Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war, with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go. Onward, Christian soldiers. We must be moving forward into the battle, not retreating. And that is the hymn by Sabine Bearing God. Ephesians six thirteen also tells us if we want to fight against Satan, is to stand your ground. Stand your ground. 6.13 says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. The key word here is to stand. The word stand has been repeated four times. Verse 11, verse 13, verse 14 in today's scripture passage. You notice that in in the movies, which you have seen before, in the battle, the Roman soldiers stood shoulder to shoulder. They move forward; they don't run back. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. It's a hymn inspired by the dying message of Dudley, uh, Dud, sorry Dudley, uh, Dudley Teng, to George Duffield, who wrote this hymn. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Now, how did George Duffield got this inspiration to write this hymn? His good friend Dudley King was a a, a preacher. And he lost his life in a freak accident because he lost his arm, one of his arms, and he fell ill. And before he died, George Duffield asked him, what would you like to say before you pass away? And that thing says, stand up, stand up for Jesus. And this is the, this is the hymn that we are going to sing, our dedication. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The hymn goes like this in the third stanza. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in His strength alone. Wonderful. This hymn is in line with what we have read in Ephesians chapter 6 that we cannot fight Satan with our own strength stand in his strength alone the arm of flesh will fail you ye dare not trust your own that means we do not trust our strength when we fight the devil and then it goes on put on the gospel armor again reminds us of what we have read in Ephesians chapter 6 where duty calls or each piece put on with prayer. Where duty calls or danger be never wanting there. Wonderful hymn written by George Duffield. There is a seventh piece of armor in Ephesians 6:18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Friends, one of our greatest and least used weapons in the Christian arsenal is prayer. It is without doubt that the greatest weapon in the Christian arsenal is prayer. Someone wisely said this, Satan laughs at our toiling, Mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. So friends, never underestimate the power of prayer. Let us now look at the second reflection and discussion question. We now come to the third part of today's message, the belt of truth. I would like to focus only on the belt of truth just for today, although there are the other parts of the armor of God. If you can remember, Pontius Pilate, during the trial of Jesus Christ, posed this question to Jesus. What is truth? He never stayed back to listen to what Christ has to say to him because he was running in and out from talking to Jesus and talking to the crowd outside. Friends, what does truth mean to you today? What is truth? It's a question that we are asking ourselves. What is the state of truth today? In two national surveys conducted by Barna Research, one among adults and one among teenagers, people were asked if they believe that there are moral absolutes that are unchanging, or that moral truth is relative to the circumstances. By a three to one margin, 64% versus 22%, eh, adults say truth is always relative to the person and their situation. The perspective was even more lopsided among teenagers. 83% of whom said moral truth depends on the circumstances, and only 6% of whom said moral truth is absolute. In other words, our society is made to believe that all truth is subjective. We are living in a post-truth age. This term, post-truth, is an adjective defined as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. In fact, post-truth has been declared as the word trace of the year in 2016 by Oxford Dictionaries. Friends, truth is increasingly regarded as something felt or relative rather than something known or absolute. This is something for us to wake up because if the, if the teenagers, if the young people were to believe that truth is subjective or relative, then something is wrong. Bless Pascal, you know, the well-known French mathematician, physician and religious philosopher, quotes this. Truth is so obscured nowadays and lies so well established that unless we love the truth, we shall never recognize it. Now, he said this in 1622, and it's still true today. Telly Sharon, in her book, The Influential Mind, wrote that people love propagating information and sharing opinions. And I'm sure I receive about a thousand over WhatsApp messages each day. Quite a number of them are nonsense. My wife used to receive around 7 p.m. The message notification never stopped Ringing. And she got all these messages from what I call them, they are the the scammers. People want to be like CNN uh, first on the scene. Daily Sharon wrote this look at the facts. Every single day, 4 million new blogs are written, 80 million new Instagram photos are uploaded. 616 million new tweets Are released into cyberspace That is what? 7,130 tweets Per second Can you imagine that? One second has already passed There are already 7,130 tweets But we find All these messages and so on Sent by people Some of them They are fake news. Truth is the definition of what is real versus what is not real. So the challenge for us is to find the truth in our fake news world. We are subject to fake news and lies from TV, the internet sites, and things you listen to. Have you noticed how many children access the internet and smartphones lately? If we do not do a good job Discipling and teaching them key Bible truths, then the world will take over from us. This is a message for parents. The second thing I talk, other than fake news, is truthiness. Now, this term has even been coined and invented by Steve Colbert in the United States of America. And this word has been declared as the word of the year in 2005 by the American Dialect Society and in 2006 by Merriam Webster. What is truthiness instead of truthfulness? What is truthiness? It refers to the quality of preferring concepts or facts one wishes to be true rather than concepts of facts known to be true. Another thing about truthiness is about half-truth. Half-truth is a statement that is only partially true. It's just like a child which I shared just now to the, to the children in the sermon to the children. Mommy, the boy hits me. And the mommy says, so, which boy? Tell me, who hits you? I'm going to speak to the boy. But instead, actually, he hits the boy first. That is half-truth. Half-truth is a statement that mingles truth and falsehood with deliberate intent to deceive. When I was uh, working in a multinational company, my boss and I would listen to the presentation given by the managers. Both of us would sit together and then we would listen. And they would give the report. And then my boss would whisper in my ear and say what? Not convincing. They are not telling the truth. That is half-truth. In our workplace, that is half-truth. In our homes, that is half-truth. Even among Christians, sometimes there is half-truth. We don't tell the truth. In the court, we say what? You tell the truth, nothing but the truth. We have to recognize that Satan is the father of lies. And Jesus rebuked the Jews who rejected him. In John 8, 44, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He was, has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil never gives up using people and anything in the world to entice and draw us to his deception. And that's why we must always be on the alert. Daily, we face false statements made by various sources, like news media, advertising, politicians, that distort and manipulate the truth for their own agendas. We have learned from Adolf Hitler, who says this, If you tell a big enough lie, And tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. Friends, it is God's truth that keeps us from tripping and falling. We need a belt of truth so that we will stand firm. Gird your loins, therefore, with a belt of truth. Moses told the Israelites to eat the Passover with the belt fastened, so that they are ready to take a stand for God. Even Jesus told his disciples to have their loins girded up. A metaphor for preparedness. And Ephesians 6:14 says, "Stand firm then with a the belt of truth around your waist, with the bread placed." of righteousness in place. The reminder, friends, for us is what? Stand firm. Each of us must stand firm. Let us now look at the final discussion question. Is it possible to be a Christian and not live in the truth? How can we keep ourselves living in truth? In conclusion friends know that satan is the unseen enemy alive and well on planet earth be alert always to put on the armor of god and praying always do stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist let us pray Father, we ask that you help us to remember to put on your armor daily, as you give us all that we need to stand firm each day. We pray against the schemes of the evil one. Though the world lies under the power of the evil one, you are far still greater. We thank your armor you have given to us. Thank you for the truth that sets us free. Help us to stand firm in your strength, of your might. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us now join in the hymn of dedication. Stand up, stand up for Jesus.
1: The soldierdi.